And let's go ahead and pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you once again tonight that we can be here now together hearing from you, hearing from the throne of God. Lord, give us the word for the hour, we pray, the message for this time. May each one have eyes to see and ears to hear, hearts open and receptive. May the plan of God be fully completed and manifest in our hearts and in our lives tonight. And thank you for all that you're doing. We give you praise for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Ephesians 6.18 says, Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. The New International Version says it this way, And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. And so uh, we've been in a series here on Wednesday nights entitled All Kinds of Prayers, okay? And we understand this. We've, we've gone over this to some degree, but uh, we cannot put all prayer in the same basket and just say prayer is prayer. Uh, when we really understand the word, we know that there are different rules for different types of prayer. Different situations call for different types of prayer. And if we want to be effective in our prayer lives and get things done and be successful, then we, are, then we need to know which type of prayer fits with different circumstances. And when we pray the different types of prayer, we must know what rules govern that prayer. Okay, Just like if I'm playing baseball, I can't have the football rule book out. All right, just not going to help. I'm going to be very ineffective playing baseball. All right, and so when I'm praying the different types of prayer, I need to understand what the Bible has to say about that type of prayer. Okay, and and some people they uh, instead of learning how to pray, uh, they just kind of switch over. Especially since they've been filled with the Spirit, they go off praying in the Spirit or praying in other tongues for any kind of situation that they need to pray about. And that's not the correct way to pray either. Okay, I mean that is one of the correct ways to pray, but it's not the answer just to pray in the Spirit because well that's Spirit led prayer and I'm praying the perfect prayer when I'm praying that way so I'll just pray about everything that way now that I've been baptized in the spirit well that would be incorrect okay that was not to replace other types of prayer but rather to be a supplement and to really empower us to go further in prayer but uh, but we are still to be praying the various types of prayer that are lined out in the Bible now if you've been, again if you've been with us you know we we talked about the prayer of faith we, we talked to you about the prayer of agreement and then we went into the prayer of supplication. And then last time, we, we, we taught on the prayer of intercession. Okay? And so those are all extremely valuable and very important for us to understand. And, and tonight we want to move on and talk about another kind of prayer. And that's called the prayer of consecration. Okay? The prayer of consecration. And, and I want you to turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 22. Luke 22 and we are going to learn about what it means to pray the prayer of consecration. Of course, we're, we've, we're given the best example of all. And I say that because it's Jesus praying this prayer. And his situation was more extreme than any of, our, uh, any of us and what we're ever going to face. But it is very powerful and it will help us to deal with the things that, that come against us when we're tempted to get off track or, or, or take another route or do things the wrong way. This kind of prayer can really save us. I don't know if you've ever wondered how in the world did Jesus take the beating that he did uh, and never let a peep out of his mouth how did how did he take all the accusations from from Pilate and and his guards and, and soldiers there 
swatting him around and putting the crown of thorns on him and whipping and beating him, spitting in his face, all kinds of accusations, and he sat there. And for the most of it, he, he just didn't say a word. He just kept his mouth closed to the fact that they were, they were surprised. And I think, man, I want to really be in control, you know, in my life. I want to be a controlled person, not a reactionary person. But I got to tell you, I don't know if I could have pulled that one off. <laughs> you know, I like to think uh, whatever comes my way, I'm going to be cool, calm, and collective. I'm going to be calculated. I'm going to make a decision. I'm going to do what's right. And, you know, I'm working on that. But I think, look at the master, man. He's, he's taking a flogging, and he is God in the flesh. Come on now. He, he, he's, take, he's taking a beating. He is getting roughed up. And he could, in an instant, have 12 legions of angel, angels surrounding him. Okay? He could, in an instant, take care of everyone. <laughs> right? Can you say hell quick? Bam, you're there. And, uh, and he had the power. He had the ability to do so. And yet, he didn't. I don't know how many times I'd have to get hit. <laughs> Before, I'd be really tempted to do something, okay, yet alone having the power of the universe and still withholding, finger off the trigger, okay. There's a reason why Jesus had so much control and he did not fail in that assignment that he had to redeem us, and that's because of the prayer of consecration, okay. Now, Luke 22, verse 42, 22 42 well for, let's go ahead and read verse 40 when he came to the place he said to them pray that you may not enter into temptation talking to his disciples and he was withdrawn from them about a stone's throw and he knelt down and prayed saying father if it is your will take this cup away from me nevertheless not my will, but yours be done. Okay, little short prayer there. In fact, apparently, as we, if you study context and the other books, uh, you find that Jesus prayed this prayer, I guess, repeatedly for a few hours. All right. Sometimes say, why did he do that? Didn't God hear him the first time? Well, how many know prayer does not change God, but oftentimes what it does, you know, it changes us. And sometimes the length of our prayer, sometimes us staying at something for a while, is due to the fact that it's got to get through our brain. Okay? And Jesus, although sinless and perfect, he was still limited because he limited himself to function as a man. And it took him a while to get this thing prayed out. Okay? Now, anyway, I, I, want, to, I want to come back to that, uh, to, to the main focus here. But I want to uh, just eradicate some erroneous and false teaching when it comes to this verse first of all okay many people have abused this verse of scripture here to establish uh, really passive prayer okay they've put people in passive mode uh, to where they're not necessarily uh, standing in faith when they pray but they basically pray and back off and just kind of let whatever happens happen in with the mindset and the thought that if I do that then God has control and God will work it out okay and here's what I mean uh, Jesus prayed father if it is your will let take this cup from me and people have taken that 
terminology, if it be your will, and they have inserted that phrase into all other types of prayer, especially what's called the prayer of faith, and it completely undermines other types of prayer. Okay, this is the only type of prayer that that phrase really belongs in. How many know that if you're praying the prayer of faith, remember Mark eleven twenty four says that when you, whatever things you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. If I am seeking God and asking him for something that I need, yet I put an if anywhere in my prayer, I have just taken faith out of it, okay? If and faith do not go together. Faith is a word that is based on assurance or confidence. It's being established and knowing what the will of God is. And so I can never pray if, if I'm trying to receive something from the Lord. How many know this prayer here is not a prayer to get something from God? When Jesus said, if it be your will, he's not praying for a healing or for a or financial provision or for something along those lines, okay? He's not trying to get something from God, and if I'm trying to get something from God, I should not have any ifs in my prayer, okay? And I, 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 there was a time in my life I was in a particular church, and uh, people had sincere hearts, but they never saw people get healed. They never had miracles and, 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 and really those types of things happen. And this was one of the reasons for it, okay? Because people would regularly, we'd have serve, church services and they would pray for the sick at times. People would come forward at the end of services with physical needs and they'd pray a nice, good prayer. And then they'd take this verse and they'd attach it to their prayer of faith and they'd end the prayer with, Lord, if it be your will. And what that did is it just canceled out their confidence, canceled out their prayer of faith, all right? Now, we did teach on the prayer of faith, so I don't want to go into that in in great detail. You can go back and and listen to that, but uh, understand this. This is not a phrase that we put into the prayer of faith. Really, there are no ifs in that. Uh, We might demonstrate it this way. If I were to say, uh, if I were to pray for someone here now and, and, and say, Lord, you know, I ask you to heal this person's body. I ask you to touch them and, and make their body whole, make them strong, and heal their body, I pray in Jesus' name, if it be your will. Okay. I, let me expound on what I just said, the last part. The moment I say, if it be your will, I might as well go ahead and finish that out, even though people don't do this. But really what I'm saying is, Lord, heal them. If you want to. If you don't, don't. Really, Lord, you're going to do whatever you want to do. And so, why am I praying? That's the rest, that's the amplified version of that prayer. Okay. If it be your will is a question. I cannot believe I receive if there's an if in there. All right, it's impossible. And so the, the, this type of prayer that we're looking for, uh, when we talk about receiving from God, we should be established in the will of God first. See, someone said, well, what if I don't know the will of God? Well, I've got a, another verse for you. It's James 1.5. 
It said, if anyone lack wisdom, let him ask, let him ask of God. Because he gives to all men liber- liberally, right? And so, uh, two, two things we should do if you don't know the will of God is look at Scripture. I'd say that's even the first thing. And pray. And God will probably point you back to a Scripture. All right? But then we get established. Because how many know if you don't know what the will of God is, you can pray for wisdom knowing that it is the will of God that you have wisdom. So you can pray that prayer of faith. All right? And then, but once we have wisdom, then we can go back to praying confidently and boldly and receiving from God. All right? Uh, Ephesians 5.17 says to be not be, we shouldn't be un- unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. See, God is not this mysterious person that many people make him out to be that you never really know what God wants. You never know what God wants to do. You never know what he's going to do. Absolutely, we can and should know who God is, what he wants to do, what he's going to do. That's one of the reasons he gave us the B-I-B-L-E. Come on now. This is, he wants you to know him. He wants you to know what to expect, right? Once you know someone, you spent some time with them for a while, they can become predictable. Hmm. I'm probably pretty predictable for the most part to my wife as far as certain things I'm going to do and when I'm going to do certain things and how I like, you know, how how I like food prepared or how I think things, entertainment that I like. She knows me, all right? more we know the Lord... The better we get to know him, the more we can predict exactly what he's going to do. So how can I know that about him? The biggest way, again, is through the word. It's through the word and fellowship, talking with him, but it goes back to the word. The more I know him through his word, I can tell you exactly what God's going to do. That's why when, you know, I like doing it. It's, people think, you know, maybe deep and I am I'm maybe being prophetic, but I'm not. Uh, but when I stand up before we have healing meetings and I say, God is going to show up and there are going to be miracles. There are going to be healings take place in the house. I don't have to have special inspiration to say that. I don't have to have a word from the Lord for, you know, for that moment. I know him. He's a healer. He, it's his will for all to be healed today. He has love and compassion for all who are sick and tormented and having problems. And so I can predict, just like the Pharisees did with Jesus. They would set him up because they didn't like him doing things on the Sabbath day. right? And so they'd put... They'd, get, they'd set him up by getting a sick person and Jesus in the same room on the Sabbath day. And he was predictable. They, get, they got to know him. Like, sick person plus Jesus equals healing, no matter what day it is. All right? And God is predictable, and he wants you to know him that well. He wants you to know him that well. That, that, that when you pray, you can be confident and, and know, wow, God's here. I have need. Good. Need met. Hmm. I'm feeling bummed out, but the joy of the Lord is my strength. Good. It's taken care of. And you go immediately to him and receive. You know exactly what he's going to do. Exactly how he's going to act towards you in your circumstance and situation. Because you know him. Okay. So again, this prayer, the prayer of consecration, is the only type of prayer where it is acceptable to pray if it be thy will. Okay. Or your will. I looked up the word consecrate in the dictionary, said things like this, to, to make or declare sacred, to dedicate formally to a religious or divine purpose. It said to devote exclusively 
to, to a particular purpose. And when we pray the prayer of consecration, what are we doing? We are devoting ourselves. We are dedicating and consecrating specifically to the will and purposes of God. That is what uh, Jesus was doing. Uh, in a big picture now, of course, was Jesus really kind of touch and go there for a while on whether he was going to redeem us? I don't believe that. He, told, he was telling his disciples. He had prophesied. He had told them what was going to happen. He knew what was coming. And he wasn't like, well, you guys, you know, I'm kind of thinking, mm, I might just leave you as you are. <laughs> now, now, Jesus was c- committed. It was the very reason he came, of course, uh, you know, as the incarnate one, God in the flesh, to, to come and redeem us. He wasn't questioning that. But when he got up right up to it, you know, He's stepping right up there, and he's about to get hit with a baseball bat. <laughs> How many know his flesh was screaming? He, he was about to take the sin of the world, and his flesh was saying, yikes, I'm not real excited about this. I love them, and I want to take care of this, but, mm. And he had to, what he had to do, and what he was praying here was not, Father, you know, can I get out of doing this? Can, can I get out of doing your will here? Can I, can I sidestep this? What he wanted to know, was there another way to, to, do, to do the will of God? Was there a different route that he could take where he could get this done and, and, uh, and, st- and still accomplish what he was sent to do? Okay, I don't believe Jesus was touch and go there and not, and not quite going to do it. But, uh, uh, but he was basically um, looking for a different way to do this. And uh, there wasn't any, way, any other way. Hmm. He said, not my will, but yours be done. There's any other way to, any other, other way, let this cup pass from me. But there was no other way. All right. That, that, that really gives us a lot of insight, right? Gives us insight into the, you know, some, sometimes people will say nowadays, well, you know, all roads lead to Rome. In other words, it doesn't matter really what you believe, as long as you believe in a higher power, as long as you believe in a God of, of some kind, then, then you're safe, you're eternity secure. Then, then Jesus went to the cross for nothing. Okay, if it were unnecessary for him to bear the sin of the world and to pay the price and to redeem us, then uh, he wouldn't have gone. (laughs) The answer to his prayer would have came back, hey, skip it. There is another way. We can just do this. In fact, if anyone will just kind of believe in a deity or if they'll just do their best, then they'll be all right. But how many know Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but by me? You know, I heard a, uh, an interview recently. It was actually with one of the presidential candidates who's a Christian, and the interviewer was uh, questioning him on his Christianity. And, uh, you know, he was throwing this out to him. You know, well, there are some Christians who believe that Jesus is the only way. And uh, some. And... <laughs> Anyway, he was really, the interviewer was trying to provoke him and get him to commit to saying that he believed that as well. And, uh, and I was happy about this candidate because he did say that. <laughs> and, uh, uh, but, but I always think, uh, some, I know it's different being on the spot there, but if you get in that situation and someone says that to you, can I give you a good answer? Instead of saying, yes, I believe that Jesus is the only way to the Father. Say, well, that's what Jesus said. Instead of putting you against all the people, put them against Jesus. 
you know, instead of are you right or are you right? Well, I'm just going to tell you what the Bible says. Then you make up your own mind. Okay? Because it's not about, it's not true because I believe it. It's not true for you because I stand up and say Jesus is the only way. Jesus said that about himself. And so many times people claim to be a Christian, yet they leave the Bible completely out of their thinking. Okay, was it right? Did, was it not true that Jesus was the only way? That there was no other way? The cup couldn't pass from him and yet, uh, and yet we're still saved? That's true or it's not true. Okay, and so uh, praise the Lord. Uh, it is presumed now with us that, you know, most of us, we have received the Lord. Okay, we have in one sense consecrated our hearts and lives to him. Uh, but there may come situations where we're facing a particular assignment or challenge that a special time of consecration becomes necessary to ensure steadfast devotion until its completion. Just as it did with Jesus, was he not committed, was he not consecrated and fully dedicated to the Lord, of co- to the Father's will? Of course he was. But going into the biggest challenge of, of his physical life, or of anything, <laughs> he needed a special time of consecration and dedication to the purpose and will of God. If that's true with Jesus, who prayed more than you, (laughs) you know, many times Jesus prayed all night long, and not in other tongues either. He's talking, right, because that was not for that dispensation, all right. And so Jesus had things going on, yet he had a special time when he needed to say, uh, I'm going to get things established here. I'm going to consecrate myself to the final task of my life here. Would there ever be a time where you and I would need to take special time to consecrate our lives to the Lord? I really believe so. When, when, when could that be? Well, like I said, if we're facing maybe a particularly large challenge, we're coming up against something, and we know that we could be tempted to do something different we could be tempted to go another way or try to accomplish it outside of the will of God and if you know you're that God has dealt with you he has led you in a way and you're facing something and you're thinking about checking out you're thinking about doing something else you're thinking about letting the ball drop then what should you do you may need to spend some time and pray a prayer of consecration it may just be in your life something where of great temptation where, man, you're just really tempted to go a certain way and do the wrong thing and you know it's the wrong thing and you want to do the right thing but you know that if you get in there, it can go either way. Then you take some time ahead of time. And I'm not talking two or three minutes. If it's a big deal, you take some time. And you may pray the same thing over and over and over. And you say, Lord, not my will but yours be done. I consecrate my heart and my life to do your will. I'm going to do what's right. I'm going to stay on the path. I'm going to do what I'm supposed to do here. Okay? And and these things become necessary in, in order to keep us oftentimes on the path that we're supposed to be on. All right? Now, sometimes it's just, uh, understand this, It many times the will of God for your life is exactly what you want 
Not every time does God speak to people and he's going to tell them to do something they don't want to do. Do you know that? Okay. Could there be times, though, that God does deal with the person to do something and their flesh does not agree? <laughs> their flesh is, no, I don't want to do that. I think I, want to, I got something else in mind here. Yes. And that's the time where the flesh must be crucified and we consecrate to the will and plan of God. Okay. And say, but that has never happened to me. Well, maybe we're not hearing. I think at some point in all of our lives, God's going to ask us to do something we don't want to do. Again, I don't think that's every day. I think if the Lord asks us to do something, it's going to be, uh, we're going to be blessed in doing it. But there, there will happen in many of our live situations where God will want us to do something. And eh, it wasn't in our plans. I have my five-year plan. And that just wasn't in it. And God will interrupt people. And in that situation, what do I do? See, not everyone makes the right decision. Not everyone makes the right choice. And sometimes we justify it theologically and, well, the Lord wants me to be happy. Well, you know, the Lord wants, you know, to give me the desire of my heart. And, and we'll take scriptures out of context and just try to justify that we're going to do whatever we want to do. Okay. Watch out for that. So how, how can I avoid that? Take time to say, Lord, I'm going to do what you want me to do. Okay? Not my will. I'm pushing my will aside. My will is to go this way. I'm going to do your will. Okay? And there's always happiness on the other side. There's always great satisfaction and peace on the other side. But many people never get through to get to that point. Okay? Does it ever cost to do the will of God? Yeah, sometimes it costs cost you i think it's i think it's short term okay it always there's always payday later but does it ever cost us to do the will of god sometimes we have to give up things that we really want hmm? sometimes we have to give up some of our our preferences and our, and, and our comfort does god ever ask someone to do something that's uncomfortable yeah yeah gives you comforter to go along with you but sometimes he'll ask us to do things that are uncomfortable and we must have the maturity to be able to pray this kind of prayer. What? what? Lord, give me, give me peace. No, no, no. Lord, give me joy. No, no, no. Lord, not my will, but yours be done. And you are dealing really with your own heart in that prayer. Okay? And you're telling him. You're putting your word on the line with him. I'm not going to do what I want to do here. I'm going to do what you want me to do. Amen. And so, uh, you know, sometimes it could just be uh, simply taking a certain job. You know, one thing looks real good, but you know the Lord wants you to go a different way. Well, you commit to the will of God. could be sometimes getting involved with, with a particular ministry. You know, I, and listen, can I tell you, very few people would ever do something that they don't want to do. Because they don't feel called. They don't feel gifted. But sometimes the Lord would, would have a person do something that they don't particularly feel anointed and grace to do. But if he's calling them to do it, the anointing and grace will be there. You heard the story recently. I'll just double up on that illustration because it was good. Uh, remember about, the, uh, uh, about Willie George. You know, he's known for, uh, of course, he's a pastor and everything, but he, his children's ministry stuff has gone all around the world, and how he got started was not good at it. He had a passion. 
and a deep desire to work with children. No, his uncle was the pastor, right? And his uncle made him go, <laughs> basically. Go help the kids. And so he did, and he found after that God showed up, that God used him tremendously. He found out after. But sometimes people will never do something that they don't know ahead of time that it's going to be great. Hmm. And sometimes the Lord will have us do things that, man, I never thought about doing that. Why, why, why would I want to do that? I know I would not uh, be in the ministry today if I didn't cross some uncomfortable hurdles. Okay? Because, uh, you know, I've been ministering for a while now and, and speaking in front of people for a while. So it's pretty uh, normal and natural now. But at first, it was not. I was a scaredy cat. And uh, as far as getting up in front of people, and some of you know what that's like, and it doesn't mean you're necessarily called to do it just because I was, but uh, I could have easily chickened out. said, no, that's not my gift. I don't feel any anointing to do that. And I got to tell you, I'd get up and didn't feel any anointing. <laughs> and uh, and, uh, and it wasn't the, wasn't the greatest thing. And, but you step out and you do what God calls you to do. It's uncomfortable, but it's not about my will. It's about His will. And once you, once you obey, you find out that things work, you know, and God, God's there and he'll take care of things. And, and, uh, but sometimes people make decisions. Sometimes, you know, it can be even, Lord, I want to marry this person, but the Lord says no. Well, you've got to trust him. What do you do? You get all by yourself and you consecrate. You pray that prayer and say, Lord, not my will, but yours be done. I'm going to do the will of God. I'm going to do what's right. Period. Period. And so, uh, these days, uh, dedicating things to the Lord seems to be not very popular. And if you look, look and study in the Old Testament, you will find oftentimes that they were dedicating things to the Lord, consecrating things for God's purpose. Sometimes it had to do with the, the temple and the things that God was building and uh, they would set aside gold here and, and consecrate this, these particular items for the work of the Lord. All right. And, uh, you know, we could talk about the tithe and things like that. They should be dedicated or consecrated for the Lord's use. But I think some of us in our day have, have gotten away from the mindset that certain things should be dedicated to Him. And I'm talking about our lives, but in our lives I'm talking about particular things. Because here's one of, the, uh, one of the mistakes I think we could make. We understand the scriptures that say, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Right? Everything in the earth is the Lord's. And so we say, oh, well, everything I have is God's. He, I mean, He really owns all my stuff. Well, we know that's true from a positional standpoint. And uh, if He wanted it, if He wanted to take it from you, <laughs> I guess He's God. It's all, it, all, it all belongs to Him. He's not taking things from us, though. But uh, So some people have said, well, God owns everything. All my money, all my stuff, all, everything about me. And that can be too generic. Because here's what happens. We say God owns everything, but he really doesn't get to use any of it because we're using it. 
And we say, oh, but it's all God's because I'm God's. Well, I know. I understand that principle. But how much does He actually get to use? And so what I'm saying is the dedication process sometimes is when we choose, whether it might be by a leading of the Lord or, or just something that we do out of our heart, but we choose to set certain things aside for Him. We are consecrating it and setting it aside for the Lord's use. What things in your life have you set aside for Him? That means not just that everything is His, but I'm setting this aside and it's only His. That means I'm not going to use it for me. I'm going to use it only for Him. And so many times people have so much control over everything that they have in life. And it's, they say, well, it's all the Lord's. And they're lying. Because it's theirs and, and the Lord's not touching it. Because they're using it. Many people today, I think, don't make the Lord's things holy. Everything in their life is kind of on the same plane. It, it's a word, it, we, we could say it this way, it's all common. Nothing set aside wholly to the Lord, but it's all kind of on the same level. And I would ask, what in your life have you dedicated to the Lord? For the Lord's use. What could you say about your possessions, your time, your things, your whatever, that you, you dedicate them to the Lord. And it's not that you're going to use it and say, well, it's just God using it through me. But it is the Lord using it exclusively, and you're not going to touch it for your own personal benefit and gain. You know, if you, if you look, let me just take this related journey. Uh, uh, you, you remember when the children of Israel were coming into the promised land, and they, of course, crossed the river there, and, and the first city they came up to was the city of Jericho, okay? And, uh, and they had to take Jericho, and you remember the whole story, won't go into that, about how they were told to march around, and it was a supernatural demonstration of God's power, and the walls came a-tumbling down. But how many know there were some rules, there were some uh, guidelines about what they took from Jericho? They were not allowed to go in there and clean up and take all the stuff for themselves. Later, they were. But the first city, this is really a type, but the first city, it's a first fruit. The, the, the first thing they went, the first city that they took, they weren't allowed to go in there and take the gold and the silver and take all the iPods and take all the, you know, the, the computers and, and, uh, and all the clothing and all, all the good stuff, right? Get, the new, get all their cars and drive them around. And they, they weren't allowed to do that. That first city, they conquered, and they had to leave it all. It, what it was, it was saying God's first, and they, it was dedicated, because God said, I want that, and they had to leave it alone as a result of that. And they could have, people can justify, but Lord, if I'm coming out wearing some new duds, I'm going to tell everyone that you gave it to me. I'm going to give you all the praise and all the glory. And so, what's the problem here? And there was one guy who kind of thought that way. Uh, if you read the story, his name was Achan, right? And he was Achan. <laughs> because what happened was 
Achan stole some stuff basically from the Lord. Took it what God said, no, don't you touch that. This needs to be holy unto me. This needs to be mine. You don't, you don't, you don't touch this stuff. And he took it anyway. Okay. And he ended up uh, causing the nation of Israel to lose the next battle to a little small town. And, there, and finally he was discovered and it cost him his life. All right. But understand that though we're not, you know, we're, we're living in an age of grace. And thank God we're not going to stone you if you don't dedicate things to the Lord. But the principle is still the same. That God still wants things to be dedicated unto him. Consecrated for his use and for his purposes. All right. So how, so how do I do that? Well, some of it is a mindset. In other words, we're here now, okay? We've obviously set aside some time tonight for the Lord's purposes. And so that is, in one sense, a dedication to God, all right? But I think we can go a step further sometimes in our minds and so where we don't treat the things of God like everything else. Like this. Well, okay, at 8 o'clock I go to work. At noon I go to lunch and get home at 5 o'clock. Go to the gym. Go to church. Go home. Go to bed. They're all kind of the same. Common. In other words, the mindset that we use concerning the things of God should be different. Many people today, they treat everything common the same. They won't ever give special attention to the things of God. In other words, this thing that I'm doing is higher. It's above everything else. This is holy. I'm going to the gym. Great. That's fine and that's good. Nothing wrong with that. Going to work, going to do these things. But when it comes to the things of God, I give special attention to that. I go with a different mindset. I prepare. I consider this holy before God. So how does that manifest? Well, this is an area that I don't want to, sometimes I don't want to be real specific because you can get into legalistic thinking and saying people have to act a certain way and look a certain way and 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 I don't want to lay those things out as examples but I would rather us be internally motivated to make the things of God different in our lives than everything else that there are things that we do that 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 are basically a reflection that this is more important to me. This thing in my schedule is more important to me than playing golf or, or whatever. Some natural thing that there's nothing wrong with. But when it comes to the things of God, there is greater importance put on it. It will take a lot more to bump that out of my schedule than it will something else. Okay, And some of this is internal and it will reflect. You know, I've, if, if you had an appointment with the president, I mean, you know, you'd have a different mindset going in. It's because, you know, wow, I mean, he's the leader of the, of the nation. And uh, there might be things that we'd do differently in getting ready for a meeting like that. We might prepare a little bit different. We might 
uh, take care of ourselves a little bit different. We wouldn't treat it as the same as meeting our, our friends down at the greasy spoon. Right? Might not treat it the same as I'm, you know, going down to shoot some hoops or something or, or, or hang out with the guys. And it's like, wow, this is important. This is special. And I think with, with the Lord, are there times that we're setting aside for Him? That we're consecrating for His purposes and His uses that our mindset is completely different. This is no small thing. I'm meeting with God here. Sometimes it could even just be a time of prayer. Sometimes it could be a, it could it could be times of service with the Lord where we're we're going to do His work and do His will. And so I don't know. I just have this mindset that I shouldn't be cutting corners with the Lord. That I shouldn't just be ultra casual with the Lord. I'm talking about in my mind now. I'm not just going to be ultra. Mm, yeah, whatever. You know, give me some skin, God. And, and understand what I'm, what I'm saying. It, does the Lord want to be on a friendship level with us? Yes. That is completely there. But at the same time now, He is also in a position of respect and authority and being holy like none else. And there are some aspects that we need to add to our uh, relationship with God that treat him as something special, not just like everything else I'm doing. Amen. And I think we can get out of balance again if we uh, we fall too back into thing. Well, everything's you know just the same. And I hope I'm giving this point across. I'm specifically trying not to be uh, to give certain illustrations uh, so that people don't get into a religious mindset with this. Okay, but how do you differentiate between what's God's and what's yours? God is holy. All right. Now we're talking, and we'll finish up now, about the prayer of consecration. How do we consecrate things to the Lord? Set them apart for His use and say, it's your way or no way. I'm, I'm doing the Lord's will and not my will. Maybe you're facing a particular difficult challenge in your life maybe you're tempted to take the easy way out i would encourage you to take some time to consecrate to do the will of god no matter what you make god's will more important than your will there are definitely times say oh i always want what god wants well jesus didn't he said not my will my will but your will be done and so there came a point that Jesus' will and the Father's will were diverted. And he said, not my will. And so there's times in our lives where we must deny what we want and say, I'm going with you, Lord. That's a prayer of consecration. Amen? Amen. Father, thank you tonight for your faithfulness. Thank you for your goodness. You are holy in our lives. We do honor you. We respect you. We reverence you. And Lord, we want you to have that place in our lives. That we don't make you common. That we don't make your kingdom and what you're doing the same as everything else. On the same natural level as everything else. But Lord, we elevate you in our minds to that place where you are. You are holy, righteous, and pure. You are God in us. And we honor you. We reverence you. We respect you above every natural thing. And Lord, we do consecrate our hearts to you.
as we have when we were saved. We made Jesus Lord, but we say not our will, but your will be done in us. Lord, have your way in us. Have your way in us. We will do your will. We will do what's right. Though temptations come from the left and the right, we will stay on the path and stay on the road where you would have us to go. Thank you for your, your favor. Thank you for your blessing. Thank you for your, your spirit working in us and through us. You strengthen us. You enable us to go forward. You strengthen us and enable us to move ahead. Oh, we give you praise for it in Jesus' name. Praise God. Father, tonight I pray for, for, for those who may have come that have.